TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show. We're back at you. A beautiful Monday. Hope everybody out there had a outstanding weekend, sports or otherwise. Big Dog and the Coach with you up until 11 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us. Our phone number, if you want to join us at a more personal level, 888 Again, 888 We highly encourage you to dial it up if you don't. You gotta listen to the two of us talk for the next 57 minutes and 42 seconds. And trust me, that could be a painful experience. So feel free to interrupt us at any point. Your conversation, your comments, always appreciated. Without further, Joseph Adu, let's welcome in my co-pilot, my good partner. The voracious one out of Aurora, Illinois, checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines. It's Joe, the big dog, Red Wanski, big dog! Hey, what's up, Coach? How you doing this morning? Yeah, I, I'm just uh, really just happy <laughs> to be alive right now. So uh, it's going to be a good summer. It's, well, first and foremost, it's going to be a great spring. So mm-hmm. uh, right. I don't know. I'm just in a good mood today, Coach. You know, really happy. I'm, I'm trying to play a part-time psychologist here and analyze the good mood. Is it sports-induced? Is it female-induced? Is it life? Did you have a uh, philosophical life awareness moment or? Uh, no, well, or- no, well, I'm just like always have always just tried to be happy, but like today for some reason, maybe I'm a little bit more happy than normal. But I, I, I do have a decent looking job in the horizon, which Excellent. is really good. And all of a sudden, it seems like after, like I can kind of like take a deep breath and realize, hey, I'm going to make some money this summer finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden, like a really good creative idea like hit me. And uh, check this out, coach. Now, do you, do you know about Craigslist? Uh, Craigslist. I, I've yeah. never gone on it, but obviously I've heard of it. Well, there's all different types of scams, and it's for like a guy like me who's trying to figure out ways to make money in different avenues and stuff in order to you know get along as we as we do this show every very, single day, Monday through Friday. Very delicately put. Well, uh, I've been I've had some pretty interesting stories and experiences. Okay, so I'm going to put an ad on Craigslist, and my boy Idris, the guy who's doing that deadbeat show with me, yep. he's, we have the ability to uh, film people without them knowing it. And, of course, obviously, after we'll have them sign the paper after they realize that they just had a practical joke played on them. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna, I'm going to put ads on Craigslist, and some of them are going to be really good, Coach. And I know people will think that they're coming there for a job interview. But it's going to be some odd job, anyways. It's going to be. It's going to sound so stupid that anybody who shows up there deserves to have a a prank pull on them. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just talked with Idris. We're going to be able to do it this week. So, big dog, really you've come up with a lot of ideas in the past. Most of them I have been supportive of. Some of them I've even actually been involved in. <laughs> that particular one <laughs> that scares me a little bit. I, I, oh, you I don't. Think so? Well, it's, possibly. Well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna be at the Harold Washington Library. And filming it there, okay. like in one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, what what could happen? 
<laughs> Show's over at 11 o'clock. You really want a list of what could happen? <laughs> well, no, no, because there's a lot to talk about uh, yeah. what happened this weekend. So I don't know if we want to get into all that. Well, so this, it, so this is going to be like... Idea. I don't want to get exactly into why I'm asking okay. people to come in, but right. they will. when you see it all, I think you will appreciate it. Sounds a little so, bit like the, the taxi cab confessions of the odd job world. Yeah, because what's going to happen is when it, when they get done getting a joke played on them, uh-huh. I'm going to ask them to talk about like their Craigslist experiences and stuff. Okay. They'll have to admit, yeah, I've what? been about a million times. I don't know why I continue to try to find work on this. Are you, I think you're going to have to pay the people a little bit because while you're doing your practical joke, they're taking a day off from whatever they're doing, transporting down to your place of location, giving up a half a day of their uh, luxurious so we'll, we'll life. Bring, so We'll bring sandwiches and coffee. And 50 bucks. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think you need to. I don't know if sandwiches and coffee alone are going to do it. So I can't do this for another, like, yeah. five months is what you're saying? I don't think sandwiches, coffee, 50 bucks, and a bodyguard named Bruno is a large, angry man and will protect you at all costs. Well, my uh, my bodyguard is a 137-pound is African dude. <laughs> that works. Oh, as long as, as long as, uh, you know, someone's about to accost you or, you know, the bullet's heading your way and your 137 pound friend is willing to front, jump in front of you and protect your life, that's all that works. That's all something that counts, I, I should say. Something I know about him is there's, there's no chance that that's ever going to happen. He will be the first one out the door. Okay. <laughs> uh, sounds like your first Craigslist uh, bodyguard uh, advertisement, maybe. <laughs> Oh, goodness. We got a lot to talk about, Big Dog. Yeah. No question about a busy sports week. And I'm pretty sure part of your giddiness is over, uh, you know, some of your teams lost, some of your teams won, but just great to be a sports fan over the weekend. Talk about the drama and not just one activity, but a variety of sports from NHL playoffs to the NBA to the Masters golf to baseball was good stuff across the board. I don't know where you want to start, Big Dog, but it was a uh, entertaining weekend to say the least. Uh, the, anywhere you want to go, coach, because uh, a- admittedly, the Masters was one of the greatest sporting Woo! events that is, I mean, it, wow. honestly, to have it go down like that for as much as that particular golf tournament means, and to have so many people have a legitimate chance at winning it on the last day, and and uh, like I said, I never feel sorry for anybody who's a pro athlete. Yep. The whole, uh, you know, the Rory McIlroy story, my coach, I mean, this guy, one of the great young kids in the game right now, so... um Hopefully he bounces back from that because he said everything right about his collapse on the back nine yesterday, which is historic. And it looked like the kid was handling everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you know, he folds and what, Oof. 10 people made a run for it? At least 10 people, like, were within one or two shots of the lead late. Mm-hmm. And, and playing really well at the time. So, it, well, I mean, what an event. It was incredible. It truly was. And as you know, you know, I watch bits and pieces Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, catch a few highlights and stuff. But then I will tape the back nine, even the back 10 or 11 and tune in. If it's a blowout, sometimes I might not watch it to finish. But obviously yesterday was one of the best finishes ever in the Masters. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Big deal. So many stories, too, from the young rookie and the meltdown you're talking about to a uh, a guy that probably, if you take away the hardcore golf fan, 85% of the country has never heard of. I would be one of that 85%, by the way, the guy that won it. Charles Schwarzenegger? If you take away the What's hardcore golf fan, yeah. Charles Schwarzenegger is known by less than 0.1% of Americans, Coach. Mm-hmm. 
if you take away a die, diehard golf fans, yeah. even so, no, you said eighty five percent. By the way, it's not Charles; it is Charles. Charles. Charles Schwartznell from South Africa, the third South African to win it. Gary Player, of course, Trevor Immelman a couple of years ago, and Charles Schwartznell. So you had him coming out of no, well, not coming out of nowhere, but the total unsung guy. You had the superstar Tiger Woods make a rush at it, and you had all these other big names, uh, guys that are popular that have never won the Masters, the KJ Choi's, the Adam Scotts of the world, uh, uh, making a run. And you had a defending champ, too, uh, 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 Cabrera. Yeah, Angel yeah, Cabrera that was right yeah, in there. By the way, in the, he dabbled in the challenge a little bit. You know, not for long, but oh, you know, yeah, he, he, was, he, his... he was right in the hunt. Big hulking mm-hmm. man on a warm day. The only suggestion I would make for Angel Cabrera, possibly Mrs. Cabrera could help out, uh, undershirt, possibly a sweat, <laughs> a sweat, well, uh, a huggy. Aren't they called huggies? I don't know, but he definitely needs something because, uh, you know, come the 14th hole on a hot day, it's just not a good luck with Angel Cabrera. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Luke Donald <laughs> tried to take a oh, look at the lead. You know, he put his hand over his eyes, yep. and he got to look at it a little bit. But, yep. you know, he he never really truly had a contention. But Jason Day, Coach, what about Ooh, that kid? I like I've never that even guy. heard of him. And the way he played, and by the way, uh, Amy Mickelson, you can retire. Yes. Now. Jason Day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Lo- Jennifer Lopez. I, th- I thought he was married to Jennifer Lopez. I, I thought it was a combination of Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Aniston's wow. love child. Unbelievable. That's, that's and what I thought that was. Golfers, you know, we talk about race car drivers' wives and what's Golfer. the other? Golfers' uh, wives. Golfer. Right Sorry, up there. And even the winner, uh, Charles Schwarzenegger. Or Charles Schwartzel or whatever to his Charles wife, Schwartzel. very very beautiful blonde haired young lady. He, she, that's like she had the like they both had plain Jane. One was plain Jane high suburban in uh, as we talk about uh, Jason Day's wife, yep. and the other one was uh, plain Jane uh, trailer park. <laughs> okay, but both of them very unique and lovely yes. in their ways, yeah. extremely both of them. You're right. If we couldn't see Amy Mickelson, that was a very outstanding consolation prize. Boy, would that good stuff. <laughs> Consolation prize? Are you kidding me? Jason Day is my favorite golfer after Steve Stricker, of course. You know, so wherever Jason Day's going, I'm following him. <laughs> you suddenly become a fan, huh? Yeah. Oh, no boy. That was good stuff, though. Any of the fans out there, you watch the golf tournament, you want to comment on so many stories to talk about, so much drama there. 888-463-6748. We've talked about it before, dog, and you and me don't play a lot of golf. It's not our favorite sport, but boy, back nine. Back nine of a major when you've got, you know, and usually it's like two or three guys yesterday, six, seven, eight, nine guys going at it, and the tension picks up each hole. That is, I'm not going to say it's as good as it can get in sports, but it's darn close to it. That was fun to watch. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is, Coach. It, uh, and when you talk about, like, when one stroke means so much, and you're talking about on a golf course where it's extreme, every shot is extremely difficult, and, you know, normally, you know, you have two or three players that have a chance, and, you know, you see each one of their shots, and then you have to eventually watch somebody walk up, and then they tell a little bit about them. Yesterday, there were so many people in it. Yes. It legitimately was the production for the for the television was basically like, all right, next shot. Okay, we yeah. got to get the next shot. We got to get the next shot. It, it was – I've never seen any golf event like that because, to be quite honest with you, I don't watch much. Yeah. So, it's quite simple, it's going to have to be a major. We've never seen a major like that ever, have we? Where it was no. – I mean, 10 people – 
<laughs> that was awesome, Coach. Yeah. I, I, one of the good things was because of the uh, scurried atmosphere that you just painted, I thought overall the TV coverage under uh, rather, uh, you know, under duress, shall we say, very tough conditions. Mm-hmm. They did a great job of keeping us up. We didn't see as many drives, which, quite frankly, except for a par three, I could live without watching the, the first shot for the most part. Well, we would, well, I mean, we would want to watch every shot, but when you're talking about so many people making yep. shots that, out of a bunker or mm-hmm. for a you know a putt that could give him an eagle or a birdie. I mean, I, you can see why he would be glued mm-hmm. to the to the actually point making shot. Oh boy, I sat down. You know me, I tape all the games, especially yesterday. Gorgeous, gorgeous. To hopefully everybody out there, despite all the great sports entertainment, baseball fans, don't worry, we're going to get to some baseball as well. And uh, uh, NHL hockey fans will touch a little bit on the Blackhawks and the NHL playoffs also, but gorgeous day yesterday. Hopefully you got outside. The tape machine was in force, big dog. I will tell you about 6.30 I came in to check out the, uh, and you know, I had taped the Masters, and I fast-forwarded through to about 11 holes left and uh, saw what was going on. I watched about a hole or two and totally got into it. So, I'm, you know, I'm really getting into the drama, totally psyched for this. Order some Chinese food from our brand new favorite Chinese restaurant, the Red Star something or other. Kim's Chop Suey, by the way. Uh-huh. We're done with Kim's. We've switched to Red Star. Sorry. But by the way, you, you got to find out which particular Chinese restaurants are controlled by the Chinese mafia. Most of the time, uh-huh. they all are, and is, you have no option. Is that a good? You, <laughs> if it's if controlled, can, is that good or bad? That's bad. Bad. Okay. Uh, really bad, Coach, on so many different right. levels. How do I, any suggestions? We just made the, the big switch. Again, I'm done with Kim's. We have switched to the Red Star. How do I find out if it's controlled by the Chinese mafia? Well, obviously, they're not going to tell you. So you have to tell by the taste of the food. And if it tastes like the regular Chinese food that you can just find anywhere. Yep. And that might sound kind of simplistic, but it, it, honestly, Coach, they supply all those uh, restaurants with their food, and basically they're forced to buy from them, and it, ah, it's really ugly. Okay. It's really ugly. So if you can find something that totally tastes unique okay. and fresh, by the uh-huh. way, that's also a key if it tastes fresh, uh-huh. then there you go, Coach. Interesting. Oh, so I have to find a restaurant not controlled by the Chinese mafia. Yeah, I, I have dated a Chinese girl before, Coach. Interesting. She all broke right. it all down for me, and her parents owned a restaurant. Okay. I think Enrique's Burritos, I'm pretty safe, is not controlled by the Chinese mafia, but you never uh, well, know. You you never, never know, know, Coach. You never know, because trust me, that, uh, that sriracha sauce is really good on a burrito. <laughs> Anyhow, ordered, uh, you know, the wife, the egg roll, got the chicken fried rice, my favorite, went a little mushu chicken, very underrated, by the way, for those Chinese food fans out there. The oh, mushu... I know General Sao. Huh? That's all. General Sao, Coach. Why would you go mushu chicken? I'm just saying that's my wife's favorite. I'm becoming a fan of the mushu chicken. I've been a long-time chicken fried rice guy. At any rate, I order all the food. All set. Go to pick it up, pick it up, come back home. Sunday night, final nine holes of the Masters, my Chinese food, I'm starving, all set, and I'm not going to get into the details, but I get a phone call, family emergency. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. Two and a half, and of course, you know, I had to take care of it. i got to put things in perspective. It's only Chinese food, and it's yeah. only the Masters, but right as I'm about to sit in the chair, get the phone call, and uh, so about three hours later at about 1030 at night, I watched the, uh, the end of the Masters. Everything good on the family emergency yeah, but, for uh, uh, No, but um, the Chinese food was cold. But cold chicken fried rice is not bad, by the way. Very underrated. No, no, no that that is that's one of the few foods that are are good cold. Yeah. I, I understand. What you're saying. Every, I can't stand cold pizza. I don't know how people do that. Oh, I love cold, cold pizza. Chicken, love. I cold guess pizza. if it's fried chicken of some sort, fried rice chicken. Yep. 
I mean, I don't know what it is, but like cold fried chicken, I think is one of the best things on the planet. Oh man, cold pizza though. Uh, you know, I'm not a big deep dish guy, but boy, cold uh, deep dish the next day where the cheese is coagulated a little bit with the tomato sauce, awfully good. I see. No, no, that's I can't do that. <laughs> that's funny. It's, it, that's funny. Well, that's that's the, <laughs> that's how warm. you judge a truly great pizza is how it tastes cold. It's one thing. Just virtually every pizza will taste good. Hot, how it tastes in leftover form is what truly separates a good pizza from a great pizza. I, I got to be quite honest with you, David. I, you might be right about that, Well, yeah, about your, your theory there, <laughs> but I, I would never know because if a pizza is truly great, there, there is no leftovers around me, and I'm not <laughs> good kidding. Point. Good point. And moral of the story, if we could sum up the last five minutes, is don't go to a, a pizza place and get cold pizza from a pizza restaurant controlled by the Chinese mafia. And if you, can, you definitely, you definitely don't want that. Yeah, uh-huh. if you can follow the, you know, do, connect the dots on that particular one at any well, point, I, the masters. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So here's how you connect the dots: is because pizza, everybody thinks is Italian. It's invented in America. Chop suey, everybody thinks is Chinese, invented in America. Mm-hmm. That's the connection, coach. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, one thing we haven't talked about now: getting everybody back. Talked about the Italian mafia. Stop it. Getting back to the uh, Masters is the fact that Tiger Woods, all the other drama, we haven't even mentioned Tiger, he made an unbelievable run in the front nine, and then his putter kind of failed him in the back nine, but of all the drama, you had the superstar making a great comeback as well, Big Dub. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think he has learned from the criticism he's starting to, to get recently because the other day people were complaining about the fact that Tiger Woods now is talking about all the shots he misses. Oh, if I would have this one, if I'd have had that one. And all of a sudden, yesterday after the tournament, somebody's like, if you could have any shot back, what would it be? And he's like, oh, we we could do that all day long. Let's not worry about that. Mm-hmm. Kind of funny. He finally he must have heard some of that criticism because yeah. he finally quit doing that. Yet the last yesterday, about twelve hours ago or eighteen mm-hmm. hours ago. But, you know, I'm a body language guy, reading the body language of Tiger a little tighter than usual, enjoying himself less, not connecting via eye contact with well, the fans as much as usual. One of the few interviews he did, he was very short and a little bit testy, so uh, still not the same. i, I got to be honest with you. I, I really don't trust your judgment on body language because when it comes to the English language, you don't care about spelling or grammar. That's true. What does so, that have to do with body why language? Why should I trust your body like, your judgment on body language. Two are completely separate. What is, what is my disinterest and, in fact, hatred of punctuation have to do with my uh, reading of body language in sports? Two things are actually... They're, they're all connected. You yeah. project. Very so proud of my... to do with language. You just, I mean, you're just going to, like, take the shortcut is what I'm saying. I'm not sure if I'm connecting that particular dot either, but I'm very proud okay. of my son, by the way. I came home with his midterm... Grades for the third quarter and a very disappointing C in English class, very unacceptable. Asked him what the problem was. He says the teacher has said his writing has been outstanding, but shockingly, big dog, a son of mine, the teacher is saying his punctuation has been the primary problem for the low grade. Oh, what, what, what a surprise. Because he has a dad that doesn't <laughs> care about grammar. Absolutely. Okay. And proud of it. Proud of. We have our priorities. At least he listens to the show. At huh? least he listens to the show because he at least knows what to say to you. Yeah. Uh, in terms of explanation, that probably has nothing to do with it. But I, I appreciate he listens to the show. Thank you very much. Like father, like son. Very proud of my son. Not sure about proud of the scene, but I like the I like the direction he's headed. Big dog. <laughs> at least he's a good negotiator. <laughs> 
All right, 888-463-6748. The Masters leading off our uh, discussion today. Congratulations to Charles Schwartzel, who did put on the green jacket, one of the great trophies, if you want to call it that, in all of sports, all of the drama. Adam Scott, big dog, really, uh, uh, you know, he played to win, had a phenomenal last five, six, seven holes, didn't get that last birdie, but... You know, it looked like he was going to pull away and win, and then all of a sudden Schwartz went, what, birdie, 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 birdie down the stretch? Unbelievable. Yeah, and that was, in a few holes earlier, getting an eagle. You know, so, I mean, that's really catching on fire and uh, and grabbing hold of a tournament by having a, mm-hmm. a place like that. And the last time somebody birdied the last four holes of the Masters, I'm sure you've heard it by now, but 19... do you know who it was, Coach? 1989, and it was... I forgot. Wasn't it nineteen eighty six and Jack Nicholas when he won the Masters? Yeah, the thought I, Masters. Thought I read another name, but you might be right. Okay. Well, he did it too. So yeah. there might be somebody else too. But that's okay. I mean uh, whoever did it in eighty nine uh, mm-hmm. probably had a really good chance of being the winner also. Jack Nicholas. He was no, you know who it was? It was someone that forced a tie and won it in overtime and now I'm forgetting. It wasn't Faldo. But uh what well, at any rate, Jack Nicholas uh, last time I checked he was a pretty good golfer, so that's that's good company. That was his. That was his last major win, and uh, like capped him off as the uh, the greatest golfer of all time, mm-hmm. doing something like that. So, yeah, forty six years old to be able to golf at at that type of level for four days uh-huh. is, is pretty incredible. One of my notes I got written down, Big Dog, and I don't know all the rules of golf, but uh, to me, not the form that he used, but the putter that he used. Adam Scott. I don't know what machinery that was, but it didn't look like it anywhere close to anybody else's uh, normal golf putter. Should that thing be legal? And what the hell was that? Yeah, well, a lot of guys have the, the two-handed uh, yeah, but it's, putt stroke. It's like four feet longer than the other putters. This is true. It is pretty long. It is pretty long. Maybe he's uh, trying it's, to make up for some something else, Coach. Yeah, take I don't it know. easy. Take it easy. But it's, it's almost, you know, and I know baseball bats come in different sizes, but it just looks like he's using a completely different piece of equipment. On the other hand, his technique is pretty solid. Because he has one arm up on top and he sticks that elbow. It looks like he uses the top elbow to point right to the hole. And basically, while the rest of us have two hands that can screw us up on the putt, he basically locks in that elbow the way I can see it, top hand. And now he's got just the bottom hand, only one hand to mess up his stroke. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's working for him because his putting was fine all yep. weekend. So that that was actually the thing. Now, he's the Matthew McConaughey lookalike. Good-looking dude. Good-looking dude. He could definitely, the golf career doesn't work out. He could go Hollywood. No, I, w- I was, I, didn't, I don't think they showed his wife at all, did they? Did or not. In fact, when he came off with Jason Day, I was waiting for the wife, and uh, there Maybe was no, you know, there, there's probably, do you think, David Olson, you're our media expert here, do they, you know, as the golfers are nearing the 18, two, three, four holes away, do they talk to the wives and ask them, do you mind being filmed? Are there some that? Say, hey, keep me off camera. I don't know if they give them that option or not. Yeah, they wouldn't give them that option. No? If you're there, they're gonna sh- they're okay. gonna shoot them. If not, yeah, you stay you stay out. You, you watch it from the monitors in the tent. Okay, you know what I mean. So it might be, uh, you know, he might be single and happy, big dog, or he could be married and his wife is uh, away in a tent somewhere. <laughs> two two alternatives in play. Oh, goodness. But it was fun. It was great stuff. Anything else on the Master Big Dog? We got other stuff to go to. I'm glad you were. Did you watch live or on, or on Memorex? I, oh, I, I watched it live. And nice. luckily, because, you know, I'm slinging vacation time, timeshare. 
there's a new employee that happens to live right by me, and okay. she picks me up to and fro. She's a she's a a mom that lives right down the street. It's really cool, Coach. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, she's got a she's got a boy that plays uh, little league baseball. So it's pretty cool. Very good. And, uh, but I mean, it's saving me five hours a day in travel. Mm-hmm. Five hours, Coach. Maybe that's why I'm just so happy right now because I realize I got almost a whole day back to me over four days of working. Is this a uh, fine young lady, a listener now, a brand new listener to the two guys at a mic show by any chance? Uh, she probably should listen. I, uh, I'm, uh, her husband, uh-huh. good guy, is a, is a big sports fan. So right. he'll, he'll probably become a listener pretty soon, Coach. Got probably it. Dis- Thursday. I'm disappointed that he's not already, but you got to spread the truth, Big Dog. That's part of the deal here. Talkzone.com. Way too much time passing the gas. Coach. Two guys at a mic. Spread the truth, pass the gas. No question about it. Don't forget, by the way, 2 o'clock ESPN today. I don't know if you got any notes on this, Big Dog, any research, but the WNBA draft tips off today. Big story. Give me your comments in five words or less. I have to say there's the real deep draft, and the Sky are picking number three, so they should be able to get a, a game changer, and, and, and this might allow them to take that next level. They won't mm-hmm. be getting Maya Moore, who will be the number one player picked. Yep. Maybe they'll get the uh, the big center from Texas A&M. Do you watch her play? Oh, i got to tell you something. That girl's got some elbows. Wow. Legitimately. Large, large young lady, but with a great soft touch. Beautiful soft touch. She would look good in the Chicago Bulls lineup. Last year they took a, a pick. Pretty good player, but maybe one of the best names in the history of basketball and the history of sports. Epiphany Prince. Epiphany Prince out of Rutgers who was, I think, second or third of the Rookie of the Year voting. But if they can get a player as good as her and a great as name, they'll be in good shape, Doug. Uh, absolutely, Coach. And, and they got one of the finest places in the world to play basketball in the UIC yep. Pavilion. Uh, not anymore. Where are they going? Reactionary Sports Talk Radio. They played all last season in the All-State Arena. Oh, really? <laughs> a little easier to get to for most people. Yes, but you're right. I, the UIC Pavilion, which I had not gone to much before this guy started playing there, that's a very underrated uh, facility. I got to tell you something. If you are a basketball fan and live in the Chicagoland area, you need to go to the UIC Loyola basketball game and feel the energy in that gym. It's so small and it's Division One basketball and it's, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. I used to go to that game. When I lived in the neighborhood, coach, I would go to that game every single year. And, uh, uh, actually going to the UIC Loyola game at Loyola is even better, mm-hmm. but. All right. And if you do go to that game, by the way, the lines can be very long at the quarter break. So uh, if you want to get your pulled pork, get it early or get it late, Big Dog. Don't get it in the middle of the game. Without question. But it, you know, <laughs> but it, if you need to get some serious pulled pork, you might want to just leave the game. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Yeah, and do so in the comfort of your own home. I got to tell you something. Those the concession stands at UIC are set up really nice in yeah. order to get to and from. I, I really like it. Well, they are. When I go to the game, they're set up beautifully. The problem is they have like one person working behind there. So, oh, you, you know, know what? That's true because when I would go to a lot of UIC games. Yeah. With the with the press pass, Kevin Horan gave for me, coach. Yeah. When I was uh, we were doing the old radio show, so mm-hmm. I was like free basketball. So there was legitimate like go play Cleveland State. Or something like that. There would there'd be like eight hundred people there. So I would just, <laughs> I have to admit, coach, I, I kinda treat it my like in my own personal recreation lounge. I would just sit in the, <laughs> the upper balcony, lay out, I'd probably bring a little bit of like a maybe uh-huh. a little bourbon with me. Uh-huh. you know, enjoy myself, go out for a smoke break. It was, it was a good time. Sounds sounds like a true working media professional. <laughs> 
I got to tell you something. I saw some pretty good Horizon League basketball for a few yeah. years. Yeah. So. Well, I, I, all I know is I went out in the middle of the first quarter to get a pulled pork sandwich last time I was at the pavilion, and I returned for the halftime buzzer. I think I missed a quarter and a half of basketball. At any rate, you got WNBA draft going on real quick before we get to baseball, big dog. And you called me Saturday night. I appreciate the reminder. The Frozen Four. What College hockey championship game, Minnesota Duluth and Michigan. Not a lot of fans following it, but they should, big dog. They should. Wow. Wow. What a final. And by, by the way, the semifinals, both of those games were incredible, even like I couldn't watch them. But I did watch from the second period on in the, the Michigan-Minnesota Zulu game, and w- what a phenomenal game, Coach. The college hockey is probably the most underrated sport we have in the United States of America. I would not disagree with you. I, we, we, every year we talk about the Frozen Four, we try to turn people onto it, but the ratings continue to be, uh, you know, okay, but the average sports fan is not well, picked up. But I think too many I, I people, think, big dog, too many people spending time with family and friends, not enough people watching the Frozen Four in college I, hockey. I don't remember Gary Thorne doing it last year. I think they're going to make a bigger deal out of it. And just the fact that how Minnesota Duluth won and the great call by Gary Thorne, that next year they'll be able to pump it up a little bit more. And I know it's never going to get any type of ratings like the other sports because they don't have the whole season leading up to it. But I think there might be a little bit more buzz for it. Game went. I mean, I really think that this year helped them. The way ESPN mm-hmm. featured this game throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So... That they usually don't do that, coach. It's like an afterthought, and it's on ESPN two, and it's going up against like an NBA basketball game. They didn't do that. They like put it on ESPN one, and they put it prime time, and on ESPN two they had like a rerun of the year of the quarterback, which basically <laughs> means they were trying to get everybody to watch the hockey game, and they got exactly what they wanted. It was a, it was a freaking phenomenal game. Overtime. Overtime for the national championship, not just overtime, but sudden death overtime. Minnesota yeah. Duluth wins the game and a goal cross from the net, little backhand, or actually a little forehand shot by a weak side guy rushing to the net, but Minnesota Duluth wins it in overtime over Michigan. Great game, uh, and you know, we've talked about it before, big dog. Sudden death overtime hockey and playoffs, or in this case, the NCAA championship. And again, hockey is not either of ours favorite sports, but you get sudden death in the playoffs. It might be absolutely as good as it gets in sports. Yeah, especially when it's the deciding game yes. of a championship. Yep. I mean, if it was Southern Death Stanley Cup seventh game, I mean, it, I mean, it, people would lose their mind. And you know, and obviously, college NCAA Division One is nowhere near what the what the Stanley Cup means. But still, to those guys skating on the ice, mm-hmm. it meant everything in the world yesterday. So I just like to see the Indians. The intensity and the emotion and the athletes and well, the all-out effort constantly. What I, what I like about that concept from a psychological standpoint, and one of the things that draws me to sports is the psyche and the emotion, and uh, not just the X's and O's, but I love that 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 emotion, the raw emotion of it. But in a situation like that, it can be true in a zero-zero soccer game too, or a tied soccer game in sudden death. You want to make a play. You want to, you know. Make the play and be the star and create the big victory and memories can be made. But you also realize that while doing that, one mistake and your name can live in infamy and your team can lose the national championship. No, no, you, so you, I, you, you can't think that way, Coach. You just got to well, remember it's only a game and all you have to do is your job yeah. and play as hard as you can. It's all That's the way that you have to relax. Take a deep breath and exhale. Say it's only a game, yeah. unless it's and play as hard as you can. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, you can't get caught up in that moment, coach. You can't be like, oh, I, I want to make the play, but mm-hmm. I can't mess up. No, you just just play. Well, just don't, don't don't think, coach. 
Don't think about it. I would not disagree with you, and you're speaking logically, but I think realistically, especially the younger kids, I think that's an emotion that at least at moments in time has to play into it in that situation. Well, it's to. funny because Rory McIlroy, for three days, acted exactly that way. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden on the fourth day of the Masters, Ooh. he absolutely imploded. Yeah. yeah, that was pain as the announcers. The announcer, by the way, you could feel the pain in his voice just watching McIlroy completely melt down. And what made it worse is the guy seems like a legitimately nice guy, too, Big Dog. Yeah, yeah, well, he's only 21, so we'll see. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, he'll have – Phil Mickelson has some meltdowns, too, we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So, and if Rory McIlroy is going to be as good as he seems, because he could end up being a great, great golfer, we can see if he can bounce back from utter disaster, which he, I would have to say yesterday was an utter disaster for him. That's something, no matter how great his career ends up, that'll either be – like the horrible moment that changed his career and made him great, or mm-hmm. it'll be the horrible moment that made him mediocre. No, I, I think it's going to be the former in the case of I this guy. So. He's got some. He's yeah. got some intestinal fortitude. He was brave enough to be interviewed afterwards. Spoke very, very um, eloquently. Uh, yeah, yeah. Under under duress. I thought mm-hmm. he, you know, again, twenty one years old. You and me, big dog. Back at the age of twenty one, would have folded somewhere around the third hole of the first round. Well, I know I would have folded, but I would have been good with the interview coach. Okay. I, I know. I know. Like the the the, the media press you get at McMurray College in Jacksonville is one person, <laughs> two people. You know what I'm saying? I understand it, but I always had a good quote. So I don't, I don't think I would have folded in front of the media. I would have said the right stuff. Mm. Like I'm going to make. I'll be stronger. All of this. I would have. I would have spoke the right game. All right. I was doing. You know the uh, we had talked about the psych, sports psychologist that we had had on the show and with the jaw exercises and the, uh, you know, loosening the body, the muscle tightening creates pressure. I felt so bad for this kid at home. Seriously, I actually started doing the jaw relaxing exercises <laughs> just seeing if I could transfer it to him because he, he completely tensed up and melted down, no question. Yeah, yeah, here's the only problem, Coach, is you're watching it about eight hours later. Yeah, it was a problem. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't live? What are you talking about, the Masters? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Oh, you mean via tape. Okay. Yeah, you're watching yeah, you're right. tape, but you're, you're right. trying to transfer your emotions to a yeah. man, yeah. which I can understand in, on some level if you're watching it live. Yeah. But, yeah, on a tape and, and about 900 miles yeah. away, I don't think it's going to happen. Coach. I never thought about that part that I was actually <laughs> taping it at the time, and probably Rory McIlroy hopefully was on, like, his third shot or fourth shot of Jack Daniels at the time. Oh, goodness. What a weekend it was. Big dog, we got to get to baseball action as well, but we didn't get the WNBA, the Frozen Four. We should mention an NHL. Our Chicago Blackhawks uh, lost yesterday the Detroit Red Wings, but actually they won because amazingly later on at night, the Minnesota Wild defeat the Dallas Stars. So the Hawks choked a little bit, but so did Dallas, and, and we're in the eighth spot. Time to celebrate. Hey, uh, Coach, uh, you, know, you know what's funny is this weekend was kind of like my – the sports enjoyment weekend of stuff that I yes. don't normally watch. So I'm watching golf every single shot. Uh, I'm watching uh, college hockey on, on Saturday night. Okay, well, on Sunday night, I'm sitting here watching a regular season hockey game between the Stars and the Wild. If you would have told me I was going to do that at any point in my life up to about two days ago, I'd have been like, you're out of your mind. I'm going to watch a whole game, and then here I am watching a whole uh, Dallas Stars <laughs> versus Minnesota Wild game. I yeah, heard. I mean, how? I mean, this is just a weird weekend and stuff. I just don't normally watch. Uh-huh. And next thing you know, I had what a what a fun weekend of watching sports. Uh, it's good stuff. Good stuff. No question about it. Very, very emotional and uh, tension packed. All kind of drama and a variety of different sports. It was a lot of fun indeed. Now with the um, 
the hockey game uh, in Dallas knocking off or Minnesota, I'm sorry, knocking off Dallas. I was amazed to hear the Blackhawks coach, Joe Keenville, who's pretty reserved, not real emotional guy. I mean, strict, you know, disciplinary. He can get tough, no question about it. But boy, talking to him, hearing him interviewed after that game, not just Blackhawks game, but watching the Minnesota Dallas game, he was like a little, little kid. Said he was one of the most exciting sporting events he's ever won. Here his Blackhawks team just lost. You know, and the Hawks kind of backed in. You would think he'd be a little bit more, you know, calm about it. He said it was one of the greatest things he's ever watched that did not involve a team that he coached. You, you know what, Coach? I think that's good. You know, you would you would expect, oh, the, the, the defending Stanley Cup champion and have his team back in, be like, well, I'm glad we're in, but I didn't like how we do it. So, yeah. no, no, forget it. It's You're in the tournament now. Uh, home ice for the Blackhawks doesn't seem to be a gigantic advantage. They seem to win on the road. Obviously, losing at home yesterday, Detroit didn't help. So now you're in, and here, here's another thing that I'm looking at the positive. In order for them to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to have to beat Vancouver because Vancouver, I do think, is the class of the West, Coach. Mm-hmm. Well, my, this team has enough uh, skates on it or have been skating enough for the last couple of years if you think about all the time that Taves and Kane have put into it. Well, if they're going to have to beat Vancouver, might as well do it in the first round. Because if they can beat Vancouver, they can win the Stanley Cup. But, you know, and I guess as the team that's holding it right now, I guess that's the goal is to keep a hold of the Cup. So, I guess if you're holding the Cup, all that matters is if you get in. So, uh, Joel Quinville right now is probably pretty happy. Because if they're going to win it, they have to beat Vancouver and they get him in the first round. And if they don't win, now they can finally take a break and maybe regroup and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, I, I don't know, it's a little bit of the same theory that, you know, like the, the Boston Celtics right now, fading away at the end of the NBA playoffs, you know, are they going to be able to turn it on come first round? And obviously nobody knows the answer to that. But, well, yeah, uh, that is another question totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, did you want Vancouver later so you can finally, you know, maybe get your, your game in gear after a couple series of hockey? But we'll see. I mean, because the Hawks seem to be that thorn in Vancouver's side, Coach. I guarantee one thing, Vancouver did not want to play the Chicago Blackhawks in the first round. Not because they fear them, or that's not the whole Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood, don't want to face the Cubs in the playoffs, because you know they're not going to make it, but I, I think it's legitimate because the Vancouver Canucks have been ousted by the Blackhawks the last two seasons in convincing, in convincing mm-hmm. fashion. I mean, Vancouver's had some great games, but overall, the Hawks have put a beat down on them. Yep. Yep, I would agree from a psychological standpoint. Not the first choice for the uh, uh-huh. Vancouver team. Ability might favor Vancouver, but the psychology, at least early on, going to favor the Blackhawks. It should be yeah. interesting. So once again, we got to put up with the Sedin brothers, huh? Oh, the Sedin, the, the Sedin twins. Ugh. So it's uh, it, it's going to be a chore. Mm-hmm. I, I do think the Hawks can be up for it. We'll see. You can't count on them. They controlled their whole destiny the last four games of the year and fell flat on their face. Mm-hmm. That's that's the most disturbing point, Coach. You know, the way they backed in was ugly. It's not good. So they really do have to get their act together. So uh, there's a defending chance. There's a lot of talent, but a lot of like that. You know, everybody's talking about Versteeg and Bufflin. What about Andrew Ladd? You know, I think he's another guy they miss. You know, last night, (laughs) watching some of the highlights Ladd has, I mean, it's just unbelievable, Coach. So. Well, you know, and I meant to make this comment last week, and, I, and without getting too dramatic here, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are a very good example of what is wrong 
with professional sports today. There's a lot of things that are right, but there's a lot of things that are wrong, and I think it turns off some of the average fans. And here you had a, and I know there's reasons for it. I understand well, that there's you reasons. you of all people cannot complain about this, and I'll tell you why when you get done. Well, you know, here you had a team that literally captured the imagination of the city. After many, many years, they finally win a Stanley Cup. Hockey had been, I'm not going to say dead, but on life support for a lot of years here in Chicago. And again, I'm using this as an example of what's wrong with pro sports in general. And they captured the imagination, all kinds of personalities. And hockey is back, and the city of Chicago, we're all excited about it. And then, and again, I know there's reasons for it. But, you know, you lose Dustin Buffalo, and then you lose Adam Burris, and you lose Christopher Stieg, then you lose this guy, your goalie, Anthony, you know, a good part of the magic of that team that couldn't recapture the magic this year, and now all the feel-good is dead. To me, it's a classic example of what's wrong with pro sports today, and it, certainly the NHL can't be happy about it because they had, a, you know, a franchise that not, not only the Chicago fans, like I think, captured the imagination of some other hockey fans, too, and they were basically gutted. Took all the fun out of it. No First joy in my foremost, Coach, you are 100% correct with that. 100% correct. But, but here's here's the uh, the counterpoint to that. You and the NHL can't complain about it whatsoever because the NHL set up the system that way, and you're always the one complaining that the Pittsburgh Pirates of the world or the uh, or, or the, just the small market teams of the world can't contend. This system is made up this way to break up any teams. Uh, and make sure that uh, salaries don't get out of hand, and they they share all the revenue. So basically what ends up happening is if you end up having a great team with a lot of great players on it, there's no way to keep that team together. And it's set up for in, in a system to make sure that the small market teams uh, actually take money from the bigger market teams and also make it so the, the salaries don't get out of hand. So it's if you can't complain on one hand mm-hmm. that uh, the big market teams have such an advantage and then – Get upset that they break the big market teams up. Yeah. No, it's I, either or for you, coach. I hate to tell you that, but that. No. So when, when sometimes when when we're complaining and we get into that argument, that's what I'm talking about is stuff mm-hmm. like that. That is exactly, and and I agree with you. There's too, way too many player, way too much player movement. But if it's set up in a system where you you can't pay your players and you have to share all your revenue, even you're the team that like uh, brought these players up, developed them, and now you have a great team, and now you have to break it up because you can only pay. Forty million dollars worth of uh, of salary to your to your players, or else they'll they'll tax you, and then you have to pay all the other teams what you're paying your players. It's uh, it's just it's, I don't like the way it's set up, coach, and it's going to continue to break up great teams forever. So the yeah. dynasty in American sports is pretty much done. Yeah, understood. Again, I understand the reasons. It's just uh, it's disappointing, and and it I think bad for prof- there's a lot of great things about professional sports. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's one of the big negatives that you really lose an allegiance to the team. Boy, the Blackhawks last year, just a, a, uh, example times about eight with that particular team because they really gutted that franchise. And obviously the Hawks this year could not recapture the magic. We'll see maybe in the playoffs, big dog, but, uh, not nearly as much fun this year. And a lot of it was because we lost some of those players. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I you know, I guess you, you can have it both ways too because if you think about, what Tampa Bay has built in baseball. See, like in hockey, you know, if a player has a great season, you can only play your pay your team so much. You're going to end up losing those, even if you're the New York Rangers or the Chicago Blackhawks or or Montreal Canadiens, the most money revenue uh, generating team in in hockey, because you can only pay your players so much money. But like in baseball, you know, you can keep a team together unless you're a real small market team like Tampa Bay. 
I mean, their team was absolutely decimated last year because they can only get 8,000 people to go to their games. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, it's a hard problem to solve, Coach. It's a really hard problem to solve that we have going yeah. on. But That's... either way, just get, get used to it that a, that a guy that you're rooting for one day, you might hate a year from now. Mm-hmm. See, I never like when people tell me to get used to it because my, my theory is if you don't like it, well, try and change it. A, so maybe you don't have a solution, Coach. You, you, if you don't have a solution and it's only sports, if you think it's only mm-hmm. sports, so it's not that big of a deal. Well, well, I mean, I've provided the solutions many times here. It's probably will never happen in America's free market. And people will, you know, call me a communist or something. But the solution is put a cap on player salaries. The player well, salaries well, are well, out well, of like control. They did that in hockey, and now you're complaining that the team is breaking up. But if you put seriously, coach, don't you just you just complain? Well, wait a minute. You just said a, up, but, but the this, reason that Dustin Bufflin went from one team to another team is for more money, correct? Money the yeah, Hawks, and, the, and, the, and because and because there's a salary cap, he mm-hmm. had to leave the Blackhawks. Well, let's, if the Blackhawks could have just paid him what he was worth, he would have been on the Blackhawks. But instead, the Blackhawks have to give up forty percent of all the money they earn from tickets and equally distribute all the money they make from television. So uh, even though they're the ones generating all this, they lose Dustin Bufflin, and they have to give money to other teams because they're the ones generating the most money. Mm-hmm. And, and you're complaining about, you just said, oh, a salary cap and limit the, well, they do limit what players can make in hockey, and guess what? That broke up the Blackhawks. Yeah, but so you're, you're, you can't you're, have it both ways, coach. Well, I can't have it. I don't want it both ways. Problem, I don't want it both ways. I want it one way. And that is with players getting paid nicely, but not the ridiculous salaries. So that when I, when I said salary cap, you immediately went into your uh, inside box salary cap, the way it's structured. Now mine is completely outside the box salary cap. Put a limit on how much these athletes can make. Well, how can you put a limit on how much the athletes make when the owners are making all the money? Put a limit on how much the owners can make too. Bring down the ticket prices. Cut down the advertising a little bit. Bring everything back why, why, to scale. Let all these athletes earn a fine coach. living. I don't want to. They can earn five hundred thousand. They can earn a million, but we don't need to be paying five million or eight why, million. Why do you have to put limits and moratoriums on what people make and do with their lives? Why do you have to control what other people do? Very simple. People because Harvey Glickstein. I will tell you, Harvey Glickstein, living on. Uh, Tui Avenue on the north side of Chicago is not able to take his kids to the game anymore because it costs too much for parking, for tickets, and for concession. So I want Harvey Glickstein to go to the game. That's a forty thousand seat stadium. What about a so forty thousand? Everybody else is thought they can actually go. You no, know, what's the beautiful thing about Wrigley Field right now is that <laughs> they don't sell out anymore. So if you really want to go, you now, now the Cubs have to do something about it. Now they might have to drop their prices. They did last year, mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens. When the place is filled out, Coach, I, I'm, I hate to tell you, but I can't go either. And I don't like it too much. Instead of complaining, oh, the, the baseball needs to do something about letting me go to the games. Maybe I should do something in my life to make sure that I can get into the games. I don't like that. Why theory. is it always somebody? Why should baseball reduce, figure out a way for you uh, to get in the game? You need to figure out a way to get no, you in the game. No, I disagree with that. The There's plenty, plenty of hardworking people out there that like to reward themselves and their family a little bit. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they used to be able to do that, and today they can't do it. I'm not talking luxury. I'm just talking about going to a couple of games a season, and the ticket prices are out of control. The salaries are out of control. Rephrase the whole thing, and and by cutting down on the salaries, putting limits on the salaries, taking down about how much the owners can make in their money. Why, you why, will, do, you have to, why, why do you have to limit what somebody makes? Why would I just told you. So Harvey Glickstein can go to the game. They will wreck everything. They won't be able to actually have a sport. As soon as you start, oh, that really worked for Bank of America. 
we're going to make sure they can only earn so much money because they owe the American taxpayer. We saw how that worked out. That really did a, that really helped that company. All of a sudden, the American taxpayers own a company that nobody wants to have any part of because they have a limit on how much money they can make. Uh, th- that was a really bad decision by our by our government, and that was basically the same thing you're trying to do. You would destroy the sport; it would go out of business immediately. It would take two years, and every owner would be basically out of money in the sport of baseball. If you had to put a limit on how much they make, that's why do you care? Why do you have to make somebody else? I already told control you. somebody else's earning. The reason behind my theory, I'm all about the average guy. Big I'm all about Harvey Glickstein. Every all my well, no, philosophies that's, that's on financial problem. and sports are based on the Harvey Glicksteins of the world. Well, coach, I feel for all those people too. But a problem is so many people on the left. You're always attacking me for being conservative, even though I'm not. But so many people on the left want to tell other people what to do with their money, like they have a better idea of how somebody else should spend their money. Mm-hmm. No. Well, sometimes we no. do. It's called sharing. Sharing? Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't mean everybody has wrong to with be... Sharing. I'm all for charity and sharing. I'm all talking right. about being forced to do something. Well... You, you, there's there's a huge, huge difference. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny how when, like, when something goes wrong in the world... Usually the private charities get more done than governments and other stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we right. have far too we have far too many people trying to tell other people what they should do with their lives. We need less of that in the world. Yeah. We have far too many people taking advantage of the system and far, far too many people not able to take advantage who are now at a disadvantage. So I think uh, however you do it, maybe it's not government but, people. Huh? Whether you say they're on the left or on the right. They're all corrupt. So yeah. to give more power to that system, coach, is what you're trying to do. Oh, we need that system to correct itself. We need that. We need to get away from all that, coach. We need. To, you're trying to add to the problem. The problem is the system already, but you're trying to make the system fix itself. It's never going to. Just trying to make it a little bit fair. Not trying to make everybody equal in the world. Not trying to make everybody make the same amount of money. Not trying to make all sports teams equal. I'm just trying to bring up the bottom a little bit. Bring down the top a little bit and make things just a little bit more fair. There's way too much division both in sports and in people's personal finances. Well, uh, limiting how much somebody can make will not do that. It won't. Okay, what will? The end result is disaster for everybody. Maybe. What will What will do it? The ability, one thing is uh, the ability for people to make a genuine free choice and the ability to do what they want to do and not be forced by our government to do anything. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not an answer to the question, because by under that philosophy, which we kind well, of live by now, there are people we, way, way up high. There are teams spending tons of money in sports. There's some franchises down on the bottom end of this world. I mean, to me, the most glaring statistic in the world right now are in the United States, and one that I have not heard Republicans answer, and I, I, I see a lot of the positives in what the Republicans are offering in our budget crisis right now, but the top... 40 people in America, is it 40 or 400? Have more money, make more money than the bottom 50%. Now that, until you address that, I need to hear a response to that. Because that, no, no. that fact is would, out there. I would, have to say, I would have to say that anybody that's on there that has created wealth, I mean, came up with something ingenious that yes. has created jobs. I love all those people. The percentage of those people that are on there 
because they have political connections and have laws passed that help their particular company that uh, that basically you know are a corporation and then get a get a Democrat elected or their corporation and get a Republican elected and they have laws passed. Those people are scum, Coach. That's why we can't have those people change the system. Okay, you, you want to change, you want a level playing field, but you're asking the people that have set it up the way it is to do the changing. All right. And by the way, I did not imply that the top 400 people, personal finances-wise, are, are bad people. Maybe there's a few of them there, most of them. Oh, I guarantee there's a couple well, bad ones yeah, on there. Coach. Probably a couple, but that was not my implication. Probably most of them, very good people, successful people, took advantage of the situation. But a lot of those people are very, very charitable and give a ton of money a made. So I'm not necessarily criticizing them, I'm just... There's something wrong in a system, and again, we can equate this to sports as well, where the top 400 people make more money than the bottom 50%, big dog, which is millions and millions. That's unacceptable. Well, if the, if the bottom 50% are living in poverty, it it, 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 it is. But yeah, it's funny, Coach, is that the people that are on that list that actually are charitable, that give back, that help out, yep. I'll bet you that... Those are almost almost all those people are the ones that are actually financing the charity and actually doing well with their money, creating jobs. Like how many jobs has Bill Gates created and, and Warren yes. Buffett? I mean, those guys Great. have created a lot of wealth. Those type of people yep. are good for that bottom fifty percent. Yep. Okay, and I don't want to hold them back and no. tell those people you and can nobody's... only make so much money, you can only do this and that because you know what? Those somebody like that who comes up with the a renewable energy source that we no longer are uh, beholden to uh, the Middle East and uh, and whoever's trying to get somebody elected in Texas, okay, for the United States. As soon as we're not beholden to that type of energy, mm-hmm. that person, I mean, it, it could take one person to figure out, well, like, how we can actually have energy that's renewable. I don't want that person to, like, kind of, like, be put by the side because, oh, they can only make so much money. They can only be, there's so many limits on what they can do. Well, the government lets control everybody's life and, and decide, you know, who ends up being uh, the rich person. I mean, that's the more controls you put on a coach, the more government has a chance to uh, put their finger in it. Next, you know, it, it becomes corrupt. By the way, speaking of renewable energy, we got two minutes left. Your Chicago Cubs blow a lead yesterday. They lose six to five, two out of three to Milwaukee over the weekend. Uh, they could use some renewable energy starting today against Houston, big dog. But Kerry Wood gave up a big home run. I hate to change the subject. Couple of minutes left on the show. Tough loss for the beloved yesterday. Yeah. And when I saw, I didn't get to watch the game, but I checked the lineup on my phone. I'm like, why don't they have Casey McGee in there? He only hits against the Cubs. Well, I guess they were just saving for a big part of the game because he hits the, the go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. and mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, it's a fun team to root for. I, I, I'm really appreciating yep. this year's Cub team for some reason. But they're easy to watch because they're doing the right things on the field. Yeah, I agree. A little bit, uh, and I've watched a fair amount early on, not so much last couple of games, but you're right. And the games, I think they've had one game maybe out of their what, first eight or nine that has been decided pretty easily. The other ones have all come down to the wire. So the uh, entertainment value, win or lose, has been pretty strong with our Cub. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with them, Coach. White Sox beat Tampa Bay 6-1. to one. They take two out of three. Paul Canerco, the fountain of youth, continues to work on our Canerco. Two more homers, big dog. Guy's amazing. And Gordon Beckham, remember how bad he was early last year? Ooh, is he raking right now, Coach? It's another home run. So the White Sox, 6-3, uh, and three, they got it going pretty well. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, they had some pretty sturdy expectations, but uh, they were a bypass and overlooked for an American League contender. And all of a sudden, you know, 
you know, uh, a week and a half into the baseball mm-hmm. season, you're thinking, you know, maybe the, the White Sox can contend, especially if Edwin Jackson continues what he did in his first yep. start. The, the White Sox can be a, a legitimate World Series contender. It'll be a good matchup tomorrow. If you're going to go to the ballpark tomorrow, a good day. Weather's supposed to be nice. Trevor Cahill, one of the better young pitchers in the game, taking on Edwin Jackson. I like that matchup. Oakland yeah. A's at Comiskey Park. Real quick, we got to mention, though, we can't go over all the baseball teams. We ran out of time with our scintillating Italian mafia discussion, as well as uh, Blackhawk hockey, which turned into a political discussion. That was a long path to follow. Transcripts right. of our show are available by contacting producer David Olson. But how about the Cleveland Indians, big dog? Seven consecutive wins for the Indians. we got to mention them before we wrap up the show. They win again yesterday. Yeah, they're doing it right. Uh, fielding the ball, getting like suicide squeezes down. Uh, uh, getting great relief from Chris. Yeah, Chris Perez, by the way, closer for the Indians. Phenomenal so far this year. Osdrubal Cabrera. I, mean, I, had, I had Nelson Cruz written in as my uh, early MVP right now. If they voted for MVP, I think uh, most of us would agree. Osdrubal Cabrera, God bless you, would be the MVP. He's been red hot. I said he's a a, a shortstop with a little bit of pop. I said, what, he Ooh. hit 240 with 20 homers. <laughs> he might hit 350 with 50 homers right now. Yeah, he's fielding and he's uh, you know putting down the suicide squeeze. He's done a little bit of everything, but uh, uh-huh. they're a fun story to watch. We'll see if it continues, but Cleveland and Kansas City both winning. Great story. Excellent stuff, Coach. Yeah. All right, Big Dog, we will talk to you tomorrow. Well, I'm glad you're in a good mood. I expect you to be equally giddy tomorrow, okay? I shall, Coach. I shall. Uh, behave yourself and get your hand off my thigh. That I won't. What? That I won't do. I'm supposed to say that's not my thigh, and then I say that's not my hand. All right, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. David Olson, our producer, phenomenal job. We'll see you tomorrow. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com, and a bye-bye.